Hello and welcome to this week's podcast from journalism.co.uk. We'll be discussing the recent successes in the field of data journalism and how reporters can avoid the dangers of working with facts, figures and spreadsheets in the digital age. Last week I had the privilege of attending the 2016 Shawk Awards ceremony, an event held by Reuters to recognise the work of reporters who, and I quote, seek to illuminate the human condition through courageous reporting of conflict, corruption, human rights transgressions and other fundamental issues of the day. A fantastic and much-needed recognition of journalists that go above and beyond, I'm sure you'll agree. Irish journalist Iona Craig won the Freelance Category Award for her undercover reporting of Yemen's civil war for Al Jazeera America and The Intercept, while Pakistani journalist Uma Ali won the Local Reporter category for his coverage of sensitive cultural issues for Dawn and Pakistan Today. But frontline reporting doesn't just relate to those journalists filing copy from the field in war zones anymore. In fact, the panel discussion named Big Data Dangers on Journalism's New Frontline, which followed the award presentation last week, showed us that the growing field of data journalism requires, too, a considerable amount of bravery and coverage, where journalists can understandably get themselves into hot water if they're not careful. The organisers have kindly let us publish the audio from this panel discussion with The Guardian's editor of Data Projects, Helena Bengston, Reuters investigative journalist Tom Bergen, and freelance writer Iona Craig. We've cut it down, but you can see the extended version of this panel discussion on the Kurt Shork Awards YouTube channel. Along with moderator Axel Threlfall, they highlight the importance of data journalism and how journalists can protect themselves when working in this field. Enjoy. It's hard this evening, um, from what we've heard, not to think about war zones, about uh, journalists in bulletproof vests, the frontline um, battlefield reporting and the courage and, and bravery uh, that requires. Uh, and given the current context, I find it hard to imagine that this sort of frontline reporting is going to go away anytime soon. That said, um, it is hard to deny, as Stephen said right at the start, that a, a digital frontline um, has also been emerging. WikiLeaks. Uh, Panama Papers, reporting of corporate tax avoidance, uh, election race analysis a la Nate Silver. Journalism that requires uh, data analysis like never before. Analysis uh, that allows us to reach conclusions that traditional reporting perhaps doesn't allow us to reach. This sort of journalism is still uh, about providing information to help inform us of the important issues of the day. It's still about holding power uh, to account and still requires uh, a lot of bravery uh, and a lot of courage. Uh, it is not a replacement of traditional journalism, but an addition to it. Uh, that is how I'm setting up this panel discussion. The panel is called Big Data, Dangers on Journalism's New Frontline. Tom Bergen uh, is from Reuters. He is an award-winning investigative journalist, most recently recognized for his work exposing corporate tax avoidance. Um, he has won the George Orwell Prize for Journalism and a Jerob Lowe Award. Tom, come and join us on the stage. Um, Iona Craig is now a freelance writer, of course, we just heard. I'm not actually going to go through her whole biography because we just heard it, but um, I do want to mention a couple of... Um, 
uh, Award. She has won the Martha Gellhorn Prize and the Frontline Club Print Award, and this year the Orwell Prize for Journalism, uh, as well as tonight's award. Iona, um, where are you? There, come on back up. Uh, and um, finally, Helena uh, Bengston, uh, editor for data projects at The Guardian. Uh, she has also been database editor at Sveriges Television and the Center for Public Inter uh, Integrity in Washington, D.C. Come on up as well, Helena. Uh, as I said, uh, I'm going to kick us off uh, for 15, 20 minutes or so, then I, I, I'm going to let you guys have a go at these three. Um, let, let me ask you, Helena, just to, to, just to start with. Um, Tim Berners-Lee said, data journalism is the future. Journalists need to be data savvy. Is that true? Yes and no, I would say. I am, I've been a data journalist for a very long time. I don't believe in the people who say that every journalist should know how to code. I think that there are people who know how to code much better than journalists, so why not collaborate with them? I think that journalism, that said, I think that journalism would benefit from journalists knowing how to not be afraid of a spreadsheet, to maybe even know how to sort it or do simple calculations. And actually about 90% of what we call data journalism is made by those simple skills that I can teach any one of you in an afternoon, I promise. <laughs> All right, and I know, look, there are a lot of, as I said, there are a lot of journalist uh, students here, and, and these people, a number of them, hire journalists, so we will tell you what it takes uh, in just a second, or they will tell you in just a second. Iona, let, let me ask you, we, we, we heard you speak just now, um, how do you use data in your reporting? Do you use data in your reporting? To what extent will you in the future? Um, I haven't done really in the past, although I did do a stint at the Bureau of Investigative Journalism, which required two weeks of data entry. So perhaps that was enough to put me off data for quite some time. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm working on a piece at the moment that I can't really go into too much detail, but I've been working on for some time, which um, originated from getting information from the ground um, of a lot, some of it anecdotal, but of sources on the ground, and then realizing that there should be data available. Then it was the scenario of getting hold of the data, which isn't always straightforward, and then using that data. Um, and um, I did actually some basic data visualization for myself, just to be able to see, before I even got into the kind of reporting of it or, or trying to write the story, what it, what it was showing me. But yeah, that was kind of the first time I'd worked with data, and it was a little bit scary initially. Does, I mean, does it excite you now, using data? Or is it something you feel you, you have to do now as we move forward? It does excite me as long as you have the time to dedicate to it. And I think this is a problem, you know, it's a problem with journalism in general. But I think if you're trying to do it in a hurry, um, and also I have ended up collaborating with, with somebody on, on some of it, also because I feel that doing it with a single pair of eyes when I'm not that experienced in doing, doing, dealing with data necessarily, that it's not a wise thing to be necessarily doing on your own, um, and also consulting sort of experts in the field of where this data has come from. But yeah, it's abs without it, um, I, I, it would be hard to probably get my story to stand up, and also it kind of makes it undeniable once you have the data to... Yeah. Back yeah. it up. You know, the, the title of this, this panel is Big Data Dangers on Journalism's New Frontline. And, I, you know, I've got to admit, it puzzled me a little bit because I always thought, you know, this idea of data, this is how we, we verify stuff. This is how we really give it credibility. But, Tom, let me, let me bring, bring you in. Uh, 
it seems to me that the, the problem is with how people interpret the data. We as readers, me as a non-mathematically-minded reader, uh, needs to trust you, uh, the journalist, to interpret the data correctly, right? Yes, I mean, uh, with respect to the kind of work that I do, I generally use uh, data, uh, it, it's a, lo a lot of it to look at what corporations are doing, um, or other, you know, maybe powerful people, wealthy people. And what I'm usually doing is using data to tell another story. And that would probably, of course, then required me to overlay various different uh, data sets. So it could be, uh, you know, it could be trade data with corporate data along with procurement data to show that, you know, medical equipment is being sold to Siberian hospitals at three times the price at which it should be sold. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's complicated. I mean, the problem with, with data is complicated, and sometimes you're making a few jumps. So there, there is a, a degree of interpretation and understanding there that's required. And at the end of the day, you know, if you're trying to assess, is somebody gaming a regulation, um, it's possible that you're wrong. And, th and therein lies some of the danger. That's certainly one of the sort of dangers of, of the frontier. And um, you know, that if you're using data to build up your, a picture of a system which you're then going to depict and in the process accuse people who have a lot of money and, and, and power of wrongdoing, you know, you're not going to be there, uh, you know, hitting the button on that one feeling, you know, totally without any, any butterflies in your stomach. Mm -hmm. so, so, so there's all, always that risk. But it's interesting, I mean, after hearing about, you know, Iona's reporting and others, it's, um, you know, it's, it is, as you say, interesting and, and the dangers, but when I think about it, it, you know, the dangers are somewhat inverted as to who really faces them. Uh, now, you know, even with doing, the, so clearly there's, there's not really much physical danger. I mean, yeah, sure, if you're, I mean, it's conceivable that some of the money launderers I might get in contact might not be very happy with me, but generally very little uh, physical sure. risk, almost sure. none. Uh, some financial <clears throat> risk, I mean, in the UK, you know, people use libel actions uh, directly against a journalist rather than an organization to, mm -hmm. to shut mm -hmm. them up. Mm -hmm. So I could get that. But generally, a lot of that, that's moderate. But what's, what's really interesting is that the risk to the organization goes up very dramatically. And it is embarrassing for a news organization when their, their correspondents are, are badly injured or, or even killed. But if, if you're a large organization, you can handle it. It's probably covered by the insurer. If you use big data or you know, uh, you know, publicly available information to accuse a, uh, an organization of wrongdoing, they could really significantly damage that, that news organization. So the question becomes, what will the news organization do? Yeah. Will it stand behind that or not? And, you know, so the courage there really has sure. to be required of the organization. Yeah. yeah, I know you want to comment on this. As the, as the data journalist, the, the idea of, of dangers lurking uh, is maybe anathema to you. But, but look, the, the dangers are there, as Thomas said. The dangers are there. Um, I would say that the dangers are there if you don't consult the experts, if you don't talk to people, if you don't have a colleague check what you're doing. But I would say, listening to the two winners today, we trust them. We trust them to talk to the right people to describe the situation in Yemen and Pakistan the right way. Mm. They could also go there. I have never been to Yemen. You could paint me a picture that is totally wrong. And we know of foreign correspondents who have done that in the past. So I would say it's up to our professionalism. We trust uh, the great professionalism that is here in this room when it comes to foreign. So in the same way, we should trust 
the professionalism of a data journalist. But, for but, me, it's but, but, but journalism. But my question, my yeah. we, we trust Iona for her, yeah. for, for, the, for her work. Yes, of course. You know, we trust in a, a data journalist for, for the interpretation of the data. When Iona starts interpreting data, do we trust her to do that? That's why I'm collaborating with somebody because exactly. I don't trust myself in the sense that it's not that I'm going to try and make up stuff, but it's the issue of the, the risk of making mistakes when you're dealing with something that you're not familiar with. But, but also, a data journalist, if I go in, for instance, like my two years in London here have made me into a property reporter. I never did a story of property until I came to London of, sort of, of reasons. But I don't have that all that knowledge about property. So when I do my analysis, I, of course, pair up with reporters who has that knowledge, who can, and we can together collaborate on these stories. So we will have a discussion. I will say, I see this in the data. And he says, yeah, 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 that's no news. And then I say, well, I see this. And he says, wait a minute, we're onto something. And we collaborate together. We interview the database in a way so that we find the story that we want to tell. And I am a great fan of collaborating. At The Guardian, we have great developers that can help us. We have great reporters that have the, the knowledge of the issues that I can collaborate with. So I think that is the, the answer okay. to that. You know, another, another part of this I find fascinating is the way data helps us find stories. Um, you know, rather than getting a whole team of reporters to go out and discover stuff and investigate stuff, you've got a, a, a bank of two or three data journalists who will go through reams of numbers and say, great story there. You still have to send the reporters out, though. I mean, the, the story doesn't end with a spreadsheet. That's, that's really bad data journalism, actually, and boring. I mean, we all see them, but it's really boring when you have a story that's just numbers and no people. I mean, we all, I think most of us, came into journalism because we love to tell stories. I love to find those stories in the data and work together with reporters who then have a different stepping stone than if you just would send them out into, I mean, where would you send them? Hmm. I can tell you where we would go, where we should go to do our reports about London property or uh, whatever. I mean, that is that gives us data, gives us a starting a starting point, and it helps us find the stories. But we can't stop there. We have to do the reporting as well. All right. Well, let, let me let me put it this way then. When you're when you're asking any of these people, when you're looking for your next journalist at the Guardian, are you looking first and foremost for a good data person, or first and foremost for a good writer? Well, for my team, who is the data journalism team, I would look for a person who has somewhat of a structured mind and very good attention to detail, and for, foremost, who is a good journalist. The technical skill, I can always teach them the technical skills. It has to do with curiosity. It has to do with attention to detail. I think that that is one of the most mm. important things. Tom Bergen, I don't know if you know, but Tom was, was, is one of our journalists who, who uncovered a lot of the corporate tax avoidance stuff, the, the Starbucks and the Googles and, 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 and what have you a few years ago. I'm sure you, you all read those stories. Tom, when you, when you look at that sort of investigation, was it the, the interpretation of the numbers and writing the story that excited you, or was it looking at those numbers and finding the story in them that excited you? I mean, it's, uh, I think that 
the thing with data is you can see a trend and it might look interesting, um, but it, it is the story behind that and the intention behind it which is often interesting. So, um, you know, if I think about a story I did, did, did at the end of last year, it was about the big investment banks here not paying any tax. Well, that's, that, that's interesting, but unless you're actually showing why they don't pay tax and that that's something we should be concerned about, then, then, then you don't really have that interesting a story. Okay, you're going to get some headlines, but still the key is the driver behind it. And I think that, you know, you mentioned there the, the, the Starbucks story, and I think that that was, that, that was something that was a lot of work on uh, data diving and, and analyzing accounts. But essentially that came down to one simple thing, and the reason that it resonated with people was because it showed that there was, a, there was, there was an inconsistency, perhaps a lie there. Excuse me. A company is saying, on the one hand, to the tax authority, we make no profits, therefore we should 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 not pay any tax. On the other hand, they're telling their investors they're making a lot of money here. And there's, a, there's an amazing amount of work that goes behind that. The way, the way that we can hold that up and say that's something that is questionable, um, because of the investigations, the, the accounts, and, invest, and interviewing former employees, etc. But essentially, what you're doing is taking a lot of complicated stuff and just kind of almost having that aside, but showing up, there, there's, there's a lie here. Mm. If it's Google saying, we don't have salespeople in London, that's why don't we, you don't have to pay tax. Yeah. We go out, we find the salespeople. So it's trying, trying to convert, convert something really complicated into something simple. And therein is the, the journalistic exercise, I guess. But you've got that head on your shoulders, right? That, I mean, well, yeah, you've got it. You, I mean, when I, I guess when I'm looking at stuff, I'm not generally actually trying to find a trend per se. Okay. That's really a starting point. Okay. Then what I'm trying to do is visualize a system. So what I'm looking at is, okay, that's a bit odd. There's, there's, there's money going there. There's a lot of trade to that particular place. And then I'm conceptualizing, well, what kind of operation is this? Is this really a profit-making normal enterprise? Or is it a money laundering enterprise? Or is it a tax avoiding enterprise? So I'm trying, trying to visualize the system. You, Iana, you, you talked about, and, and I know you can't talk much more about uh, this, this project you've just embarked upon, but is that sort of thinking, is that going to be more your thinking going forward in your journalism, your day-to-day -day work? Yeah, I think so. It's about looking for those trends that you may have got hints of from the ground. And I mean, Yemen's particularly difficult because you can go up to three people and ask them the same question, and you'll get 10 different answers. They'll contradict themselves even. So it can be very confusing sometimes when you're getting series of information on the ground, even when three or four people are backing it up, and you always have the journalistic thing of, oh, you need at least two sources or three sources on the story. Um, but sometimes, even in those sort of complexities where the politics is very difficult, and particularly when you're in a civil war scenario, when you've got sort of polarization of the story and and people sort of feeding in propaganda on both sides. Uh, but then when you get hold of some data, um, and that shows a trend, and that backs up what you've been told on the ground, it's almost kind of a relief, really. And it means, OK, this is now a story. It's not, it might be a story, and I'm a bit concerned. Hmm. It actually then, I, I know you were saying about you know, um, uh, publishers being brave about using the data. But actually, in a, in a scenario like that, it's actually a, it's it's the fallback really, because without it, um, then it could be somebody could very easily wiggle out of it, or the lawyers could get involved, or you know, yep, uh, etc. Yep. But when you've got the data to back it up, then there's very little wiggle room. But you worry about the dangers. Um, I, I, I haven't. Maybe I haven't dealt with data enough to to mm -hmm. have to. Mm -hmm. 
um, to worry that. I mean, worry about that. It was getting the stuff on the ground that was, was, the, was the dangerous part for me. It was going through sort of 450 miles of Al-Qaeda country is perhaps a little more tricky than dealing with the data. <laughs> Sorry, um, that's you know, no, hey, I, I'm going to open it up in just a second. Yeah, yeah. I'll open it up in just a second. I, I just, I know one of the things, um, and we talked about this beforehand, Helena, um, uh, data journalism as a genre, and you don't like that, this idea. And there was this quote I read um, when I was prepping for this panel. Data journalism offers, uh, sorry, data journalism only differs from words journalism in that we use a different kit. It's like photojournalism, just swap the camera for a laptop. Is that simplifying it too much? I mean, I am not too fond of the fact that I, that a lot of people think that I work in a special genre. Uh, because we don't talk, I mean, in the, when I started, it was called computer-assisted reporting. We never talk about telephone-assisted reporting, even though we actually do telephone-assisted reporting every day, maybe a little too much sometimes, or pen-and-paper-assisted reporting. We sort of, and the same way I would say that the computer is a tool, our methods is a tool, and that is also what makes my work so creative, is that there are so many tools in the toolbox. And... In one way, I feel a little sad for journalists who say, I don't want to do that, that's boring, it's just numbers. Because it's not, it's people. Every row in a database is a person, or a place, or a property, or whatever I'm now, or a company uh, that I'm looking at. And it's my creativity that sort of lets me sort of lure out the story on that in one way. And I, I told you before that I actually look upon sort of my spreadsheets and my databases as interview people. Hmm. I mean, I am interviewing them, and it's the same way as a good interviewer. I have to ask questions, listen to the answer, do follow-up questions on that answer, the ones that we sometimes actually forget to ask. Or I have to find a new person, a new database to contradict my data in order to sort of see what is the true thing. For more podcasts from journalism.co.uk, please visit our website.